Welcome to the Parenting in Uniform podcast. My name is Claudia. I became a mom after 16 years of active duty service. That's when I discovered the disparity in knowledge amongst our military leaders concerning service members who are pregnant, postpartum, breastfeeding, and just dealing with military life while balancing families at home. I hope this podcast helps to enlighten us all on parenting while serving our nation. Hello, everyone. Today, we will be talking about parenting teens with Dr. Cam. And that's also the name of Dr. Cam's podcast, Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Claudia. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am an adolescent psychologist and a family success coach. And I've kind of played with that title a bit, but my whole focus is really making families successful. And I focus on parenting and teenagers because I feel like there's a big gap in that. And so many parents have questions about their teenagers, just everyday issues with their teens. And I find that a lot of times parents feel uncomfortable asking for help. So a lot of times they think, hey, I've been doing this for you know 11 years, 12 years, 13 years. I should have this figured out by now. And here's the thing, parenting teens is a whole new ballgame. Everything that worked in the past is going to not only not work, it's going to backfire a lot of times because our kids are completely different. So I've been doing this for about two decades now, and I've just found that when parents understand their teens, everything changes. And so that's, that's why I do what I do. Right. Because just as you think, you know, your child, they become a teenager and they're a completely different human. Completely different. Yes. So I was inspired to reach out to you because of my friend, Danielle. She is the mother of two teens and she's a single parent right now. And I have a 21 month old and this podcast is really focused a lot on babies and toddlers and more younger kids. So I feel like this is going to help prepare me. I hope (laughs) a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) it will. And actually my whole goal is to make you more excited about adolescence and not fearing it. All right, good. So it is actually possible to prepare then for that time. It 100% is. And even Danielle, who's in the midst of it, there is Hope, Danielle, and we're going to answer some of your questions specifically. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> and and is, is, has everything just changed completely too now that we're in this COVID environment and teens are home more? Uh, they're, they're locked at home. They don't have that social environment or the escape they used to have. Here's what's changed in my mind is parents are more aware of what's going on with their teens. I don't think anything has changed in terms of teen teen development. In fact, it hasn't changed in decades. We just don't understand teens. And now that we're all under one roof, we're getting that conflict more that parents and teens end up having. And parents are really, really worried about their teens because they see them every day and what's going on. So I think a lot of it, and I'm a single mom with a teenager, so I just want to throw that out there that I do this every single day too. Okay. (laughs) So, so it's not that COVID has made them crazy. It's just that now parents are seeing them more. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right. And, you know, and the thing is, is when it comes to remembering your childhood, I think most of us do remember what it was like to be a teenager as well. And I remember, I mean, I guess I was just very self-centered. Well, and I think too, a lot of, a lot of what we remember 
about being teens is not the good stuff. We remember, you know, stuff we did to get into trouble. We remember, you know, just the relationship we had with our parents, which most likely was had a lot of conflict because that's how it's been for years and years and years. So I think we go into it with these negative connotations and that actually creates what our relationship ends up being with our teen. Um, so I'm always, I'm about changing our mindset on that and how we approach it. So one thing I heard is that Google offers a ton of great parenting information about teens, about parenting in general. But when it comes to teens, there's a lot of contradictory information as well. Mm -hmm. And so I just see that as well, you know, it's, it's advice, right? None of it's really fact. Every kid's a little different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I think one of the things that I look into and we've learned so much over just the past <laughs> decade because of neuroscience so now we know a lot more of teen brain development, and this can change so much of how we interact with our teens. And there's two really key things to remember about teen brain development. One, it's going through your brain is going through a growth spurt. So the only other time in our lives as humans that our brain has gone through such an enormous growth spurt is when we're infants, when we're babies and we're learning to walk, we're learning to talk, we're learning to engage with the world, right? Then when we hit adolescence, our brain goes through another enormous growth spurt and it's not growing in size now, it's growing in density and all these connections are creating, being created. And our brain is now primed to learn again. And what we're learning are things like emotional regulation, critical thinking, how to problem solve, all of these skills that teens get in trouble for because they don't do it well. But we're learning how to do it right now. We're not born with this knowledge and our brains are primed to learn it. So I think that's one of the first things I always tell parents is they're learning. We've got to teach them and not get upset with them when they're not good. We don't get upset with our babies when they fall over, when they're learning to walk right? We encourage them, we help them. We need to do the same with our teens. The other really important thing to know is our brains grow unevenly. And so the part of the brain, the amygdala is fully functional by the time we're about 11 years old. And this is the part that triggers our fight or flight. This is the part that says there's danger. I'm going to react. I'm going to put up my defenses. I'm going to do my emotions are going to regulate everything. And I'm my or, you know, my heart rate's going to go up and I'm going to get all excited and push back. That's fully developed. The part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex that tells everything, wait a second, let's figure out the best way to react. Let's think this through. What are the consequences? Let's make a good decision. That's not fully developed until mid to late 20s. Okay. So our teens are fully driven by their emotions and their responses. And this is why they react so, I mean, to us, we're like, wow, where'd that come from? They don't know how to maintain that. I mean, if we didn't have our prefrontal cortex, we would do the same thing. In fact, a lot of adults still do that, even with their prefrontal cortex, right? right. So it's understanding that our teens don't have the tools yet to hold that in. We, the adults do. So we need to be the calming factor in every, in our relationships. 
That's really interesting. I love hearing the science behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the, that growth spurt? When does it really start? So you mentioned 11 years, 11 year olds is when they start the, the uneven growth. Yeah. So by 11, by like nine and 11, they have that amygdala's in there and our brains are really growing unevenly. So it really goes from about then until our, you know, in our mid twenties. Okay. And what is really interesting about this is it it's going through this phase of blossoming. So basically everything we're feeding into our brains right now, it's collecting, right? And building these connections. And then it goes through this phase of pruning. So whatever we don't use, that starts pruning out, right? Just like we do with a tree. We prune out all the all the things that aren't getting used. The really important thing to learn about this is children, teens are learning how to figure out how they relate to the world, who they are. And so one of the things to really think about is we are very focused on helping our kids become the best they can be, right? And we're very focused on correcting them and guiding them in the right direction. We want to be careful of the messages we're sending them, though, because these are the messages they're developing about who they are as a person. And what we say to them over and over and over and over again, that's the connections they're building. So if we're saying to them, you know, you're you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you're not doing this, you can't do that. These are the connections they're building. And then you go into you fast forward into adulthood. And I don't know about you, but I see groups everywhere about how to improve our mindset, how to improve our self-confidence how to get past our own insecure and limiting beliefs. When were all of these formed? During adolescence. Okay. Wow. (laughs) All right. That's, that's a great point to make for sure. So you were talking about, you know, how do we relate to them as far as healthy compromises? How can we compromise with a teen? Is that possible? Yeah. So this is a great question because I think a lot of times as parents, we get into this mindset of win or lose. We think about things as battle, right? So either they win or we win or we compromise. And when we compromise, we feel like we're not holding true to what we want, right? When we say compromise as parents, we feel like we're giving in. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really important as a parent is to be first extremely clear on what is your end goal in every situation? What do you want them to learn? Because in the moment, our emotions kick in too, and we get very focused on the, I can't back down because I have to be the authority figure, right? Instead of, what am I trying to teach my child in this moment? And when we're clear before the argument, before the conflict of what we want, We start becoming more consistent about what it is. The other thing when we're in that moment is I always advise parents to be quiet and actually listen. It's not about your child obeying you, right? Because ultimately, we don't want to raise adults that just obey people and just do what everyone else tells them. We want them to think critically and individually and problem solve and argue. We want them to be able to argue effectively. So it's healthy for teens and adults to argue as long as you are able to come to a conclusion and to be able to come to a healthy conclusion, you have to hear both sides. 
actually hear them. So explain your side, be quiet, let your team actually express their side, make sure you understand that, and then work together to decide what a healthy solution is and say, I get it. This is why you're doing this. This is why I'm doing this. Let's figure out the best solution. And if your teen is used to being in a conflict mode, they're going to, every time you start talking, their danger alerts go and their fight and flight is in full mode. So it's going to take a while for your teens to be able to trust and feel comfortable in having these conversations. So don't expect to go, okay, Dr. Cam told me if I listen, everything will work out great. Mm -hmm. That's not happening. The other thing to realize, this is not about manipulating your teen to take your side. And that I get a lot of parents going, well, I tried what you said and they still wouldn't do what I wanted. Well, it's not about them doing what you want. It's about understanding what they need to and figuring out the right solution. Okay. So really staying focused on what your, your end goal is seems yeah. pretty important, right? Like keep yeah. your eye on that prize, right? Is the end That's goal right. to limit the amount of screen time or right. Come home on time. I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't have a teen yet, so I'm sure there's some much greater problems going on out there. Yeah. But I can definitely understand how it's going to take a while to build that trust, especially if there is a history of conflict going on and it is mm -hmm. an argument. The parent's always right. And suddenly if the parent just starts listening, the teen's going to know something's up. <laughs> what are you doing? They're going to be very suspicious at first because mm -hmm. teens are used to falling into booby traps. And I think parents are very good at setting up traps for their kids being like, see, so yeah. you have to be careful about that too. Okay. So this isn't an instant fix. No, there's no instant fixes, but there are fixes. And it's not fixing your teen. It's fixing your relationship with your teen. Right. And like all relationships, it takes time. Mm -hmm. uh, so how can we help manage teen and any sort of online screen time addictions, mm -hmm. video games, mm -hmm. and the smartphones that didn't exist when I was a teen? So I can't even imagine. <laughs> Claudia, this is the, the big question, and I will share my personal views on it, which are also based on science and studies, but I think you're going to get a lot of opposing views on this. But my personal view is, first of all, every time new technology or new, something new is introduced, the generation that didn't grow up with it gets freaked out. I mean, we had TV, we had music, we've had all kinds of stuff, right? And so the new generation is like, oh my gosh, this is going to corrupt our kids. This is the worst thing on the planet. So I want to first encourage people to that fear. Yeah, there's things to be concerned about. Absolutely. But let's get past that knee jerk fear reaction and realize it's here to stay. This is how they communicate. This is how they learn. This is how they're entertained. It is here. So let's embrace it rather than fear it. The other thing I want to encourage people to think about, it's not how long they spend on it. It's what they do on it. Okay. So watching YouTube videos where you're learning how to do something, researching something, you know, communicating with your friends, those are really healthy things to do on there. Think about the stuff you're able to learn. Oh my gosh, how cool is that? So what they're doing online, 
versus how long they're spending online, especially now, because this is like the only way they have to connect with people. The third thing I want to really encourage people to realize is that when we use the phones as a way of punishment, we're taking it away from them, right? We're threatening to take it away from them. We're restricting them. What we're doing is we're actually making the phone one of the most desirable things on the planet. Okay. <laughs> All they want. So now when they have time on it, they don't know this is, it, it is, it is a scarcity. So now when they have chance to be on the phone, they're just gonna like hoard it. When they go somewhere else, it's the only thing they're want to going to want to do is use their phone. When we make it so that it's about them using it for healthy reasons. And I will, I'm going to tell you, I've never once taken my phone away from my daughter and she's standing right here. So she can tell you if I'm mm-hmm. lying or not. Never once. And my daughter is more likely to tell me to get off my phone than for me to have to tell her to get off their phone because it's not a scarcity thing. It's a thing where she, it's a tool that she uses when she wants to use it. When she knows she can do it whenever, she's not always on it. There's a lot of other things they want to do. So let's just really think about what message are we sending about the phone? We're making it so appealing to them by restricting it, right? So let's just, I just want to really encourage people to think about that. What if we're trying to get them to go outside, breathe some fresh air, you know, get out of your bedroom? Oh, yeah, we need to do that. So this is the other thing. So when we tell our teen what to do, we are now just pushing them to the point of whatever we say. And parents with teens know. You say up, they say down. You say right, they say left. You say blue, they say yellow, right? They're always going to say the opposite. It's not because they're trying to be jerks. It feels like that. It's not because of that. It's because they are hard wired to establish their own independence and autonomy separate from us. And they have to do this or they're going to live in our basement for the rest of our lives. And nobody (laughs) wants that. We want them to move out. We want them to know who they are. And so they're so intertwined, especially now when they're stuck at home, they're so desperate to separate who they are. So one of the things I tell parents is when we always take the right answer for ourselves, the thing we want them to do. And we claim that is our answer. They no longer have that as an answer because they need to pick something different from us. It's just hardwired. So we first want to give our teens the option of making the right choice without us telling them Mm -hmm. the right choice. The other thing is to establish more of why we want them to go outside. Why do we need them to do that? Help them understand why. We want to inspire and motivate them, not demand and tell them. Because when they want to do it, we never have to tell them anymore. They want to do it. And what do they want to do? Let's find ways. Okay, this is why exercise is so important in fresh air. Because that's how the mind, our mind needs it to think. It helps our mood. It helps us feel better. It helps us focus. All of these great things that our kids want. So we want inspire them there. And then what do you like to do outside? What is something fun for you? And then here's the other trick. Make it so it's the whole family. It's not you go outside and play. Well, I sit here and do what I want to do because I'm the adult. Well, what kind of message are you sending? So it's like, you know what? Our whole family, we need to be more active. We want to be more active. Not need, we want to be more active. So What's something we can do? We're all going to go hiking. We're all going to go take, take a basketball, put a basketball hoop in something 
where it's the family, not the teen, you have to go do this. Okay. So how about if a parent knows uh, a teen is doing something really wrong, like Mm -hmm. stealing, but Mm -hmm. there's no proof and not necessarily even stealing from shops, right? Because there aren't very many open these days, but maybe from a sibling or Mm -hmm. from a parent, you know, I can think back to jeans and t-shirts that have disappeared from my wardrobe when I was from my sisters right but yeah things that are more serious too yeah so this is a really really good question and I think this is something a lot of parents struggle with it's lying too is another big one that I've had a lot of parents worried about so the first thing that I want parents to do if this is it is to change their their the way they're focusing on from their teen is is a thief. Their teen is a liar. Their teen is do- always doing this because now we have established, and when we say it this way, remember we're wiring our brain. We're now telling our teen that they are a liar, that they are a thief, and this is what they're believing in themselves, which they start leaning into. We believe it in them, and we start looking for evidence to support it because that's how the brain works. It looks for evidence to support what we already believe. So when they are a thief, or they are a liar. That's an innate quality that you can't fix, right? So the teen is just like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm just a liar. So I might as well keep lying because no matter what I do, they're going to believe it. I'm just a thief. No matter what I do, they're never going to believe me. Change it to my teen has a habit of, of taking things right now. Seems to have a habit of taking things. Now that can be addressed. It's a behavior, not an innate personality trait. It's a behavior. So then we go, okay, we've got a behavior that we want, that we're concerned about why they're doing it. Because if we just try to stop the lying, we just try to stop the stealing. We're not dealing with the underlying cause of why they're doing it. So why are they there? Why are they feeling the need to do that? Let's get into that. And the third thing is be careful about shame. And I mean, I am like a big Brene Brown fan. I love her so much. And she's done a tremendous work on shame and guilt. But but shame is about, we we try to shame them to stop them, right? We try to say, you know, this is the reason why. But what happens with shame is it becomes internalized and it makes them feel bad about themselves. It doesn't stop them. It makes them feel like they can't stop. Instead of talking to them about why are we doing this and how can I help you? Okay. Right. This is a thing we want to solve. We want to solve. So blaming, shaming, criticizing, all of those are just going to shut your team down and it's not going to help them resolve it. It needs to be understanding, compassion, problem solving. Let's figure this out together. Okay. I wouldn't have thought of that. So it's pretty good stuff here. (laughs) (laughs) So how about if your teen requires counseling for whatever situation and you're a parent trying to get your teen to go, but your teen refuses, or maybe your teen does go, but just keeps their mouth shut when they're face-to-face with a counselor. How do you go about that one? So as someone that coaches and counsels teens, I can address this personally. I've had all the situations. So the first thing is if your teen does not want to go, the counselor can't help them. 
I mean, and I've had this where I've had the teen there and, you know, I, I want to help. And so I've tried to break through, but when a teen is going, they're going to shut down. So the first thing is the teen, you know, needs to be there. So one of the things I will tell parents is let the teen know, you know, go, please just go once. If you don't like it and you don't feel comfortable, they need to be comfortable with the, with the coach. If you're a counselor, if you're not comfortable with them, that's your decision and we're not going to go forth. So now the teen has the ability to say no, has some control. And you're going to help them find somebody they're comfortable with. And I'm going to tell you, I've had so many teens that come, with, come to me with their arms folded, scowls on their face, because they don't want yet another adult to tell them what's wrong with them. They see counseling as mom and dad want somebody to fix me. To do that. They need to go there because they want to address an issue that is important to them. And they need to know that the person there is going to be helping them. And so for all the kids that I have gotten on, on with, and we've talked about, what do you want? How do we help you achieve what you want? They come back and they're excited to come back. The other thing that I always tell families is if your teen is having issues, it's not just your teen, it's the entire dynamic. And a lot of parents want to just say, my teen is having issues. Well, if your teen is having issues and something's going on with your connection, end of the game, end of story. So the family needs to be involved because no matter how much a counselor helps a teen, if they're going right back into the same situation with their family, they're going to revert right back to what's going on. So the family has to be involved. Okay. So in the military, we move a lot, you know, for teens, uh, most of them are in high school and we have programs for high school stabilization, but it doesn't always work out where a service member is able to stabilize in a given duty station um, or maybe one parent has to move on and whatever, but teens tend to have to move. And that'll make them angry, right? Because you're in high school, you have maybe a girlfriend, boyfriend. Um, Do you have any advice on that? How to go about it? Yeah, I think with any single thing with teens, and this is is true for all human beings, actually, um, is empathy is probably one of the most important tools that a parent can use when raising a teen is empathy. And this just means getting in their shoes and saying, I get it. I hear you. This is suck. I am so sorry. We have to do this. I completely understand. And you have every right to be angry and upset about this. I would be too. In fact, I'm struggling with this right now too. This is not easy for me either. Here's why we have to do it. I wish I could fix it for you. I wish I could change it. I can't fix it for you. But I'm here to listen. And I'm here to figure out how can I help you? What are some solutions? Let them just get it off their, get it off their chest and let them know they're heard. Don't try to fix it. And then once they get through that and they know you understand, then you can say, okay, this is what it is. Let's figure out how can we do this? You've got your girlfriend back home. Let's figure out how can you stay connected? Let me help you figure ways out. Okay. And as far as those teen girlfriend and boyfriends, do you have any advice on, on them dating 
Do they even date? (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you whether they can date or not. That's your decision. What I will say is being very clear on why or why not you're uncomfortable with it, what it is you're uncomfortable with, because we want our kids to come to us with big issues, right? So if we just say, you can't see that kid, you're banned from that kid. Well, what are they going to do? They're going to sneak behind your back and see them. And now you have absolutely zero insight into helping them. If something goes on, something happens, they're not going to turn to you because they're not going to feel safe turning to you. We want our kids to be able to make good decisions and we want them to trust. So we want to be very clear on what our concerns are because now we're helping them make understand how to make good decisions. We want to be clear and understand why it's important to them. What's going on? Why is it important? Listen again, understand, figure out how to help them address their concerns and be sure you're clear on what your concerns are. Set boundaries. This is never about just letting your teens do whatever the heck they want because teens don't have a fully functional prefrontal cortex and they're not going to make always make good decisions all the time. But it's a training and coaching them on how to make good decisions. So setting those boundaries, being clear on what those boundaries are and why those boundaries are in place, what the consequences they are if those boundaries are stepped over and why, 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 why? Because we want them to be able to understand so they can make good decisions on their own. And we want them to trust us. So if something goes awry, something goes wrong, they can call us and they know it's safe. Right. Okay. So be transparent. Be transparent. Yeah. Great. Is there anything else oh, that, that you have to share that's really I critical? Talk for hours and hours and hours. I, I'm just going to go back and say some of the key things to understanding our teens is first of all, the one thing I, I say over and over again, and my daughter now rolls her eyes because she's heard it so many times, but teens act out because they feel misunderstood and teens feel misunderstood because they are misunderstood. Okay. So just realizing that we want to understand our teens. They're not trying to get in trouble. Nobody wants to get in trouble. They're trying the best they can with what they have. So let's help them learn rather than get angry with them for making a mistake. Empathy, listening, and staying calm. Listening, empathy, staying calm. Those are probably the three of the most useful things that a parent with a teen can do. Great. (laughs) I have to remember all that. Probably start Mm -hmm. doing it now. Yeah. Yep. So if someone wants to work with you, how can they get started? Yeah. So the best way is to go to my website, which is askdrcam.com, A-S-K-D-R-C-A-M.com. And you can find everything about, I do one-on-one coaching. I do my podcast. They can find all that information there. So just ask, askdrcam.com. All right. I really appreciate the time you shared with us. This is incredible information and hopefully I'll be a better parent for it. So thank you will so be. Much. I think you will be. Thank you for letting me share my message. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcast and share it with someone who can benefit from this information. You can also follow the Parenting in Uniform Facebook page to stay up to date on the latest news related to military parents and families. Thank you for listening. This podcast has no affiliation with the Department of Defense, nor any of the military units or organizations mentioned. This podcast is for information only. Statements and views made by guests are not necessarily those of the host, 
and no statements should be construed as fact or medical advice.